Hi, I'm Tom Shepherd, And I'm Peter Keegan. And welcome to Ask an Artist, the podcast designed for working artists and makers, people just like us, who are looking for tips and advice, ideas and strategies for not only making, but selling their work too. Covering a range of topics from social media to approaching galleries, interviewing fellow artists and industry experts, Ask an Artist podcast is here to keep you company in the studio and help you on your artistic journey. Well, it's not called Ask an Artist for Nothing because today we give over the whole content of the podcast to you, the listener, where some of you have sent in your artistic quandaries to challenge me and Tom to see if we can shed a little light on them and help you out. So thank you for sending in all your questions via social media or via our website at askanartistpodcast.com, where this week we'll be discussing starting a new body of work, Is brushing up on art history a good idea? And some marketing tips for an upcoming exhibition. Tom, I don't know if you know this, but Ask an Artist podcast has gone global because we've got people all over the world listening to us, as as, uh, demonstrated in this first question from Janine in Finland. So hello, Janine and all our other Finnish listeners. And a lovely question which reads... After raising my family and my early art education, I'm finding it extremely difficult to find a starting point for my new artistic journey. There are many loose ends laying around, like the interest in different topics coming from the experience of living in different cultures and the influences from all different skills that I've learned over the years. These include wood carving, ceramic work, painting, graphic design. I have this strong craving to start making real art and build up a proper body of work. But I simply don't know where to start. That's a great question. And Janine, I I can imagine it's quite difficult to, you know, figure out where you fit on this thing because you're clearly a very creative person and you're very interested in lots of, you know, creative disciplines. And I think we all go through this period, don't we? I mean, I know I certainly do. I've tried and dabbled in all sorts of things and it can be a little bit overwhelming where you're not quite sure which department, which side of which fence you're going to kind of really base yourself in because there's always this feeling of, oh, what about that technique? I've not done that yet or that medium. I might be gifted in that, but I'm not quite sure. And therefore you, you don't make any progress, which it sounds that Janine is in mm. this uh, sort of process. Have you ever been in that situation, Tom, where you're not quite sure what you're doing or where to go? Oh, absolutely. I think it's incredibly common. And I think it, it happens throughout your career as well. It's a, it's a very, I think having gone through a certain years of a career, you get more used to things like this occurring and, and how to deal with them. But Janine's obviously at the start of a new era of her life and, a new kind of artistic journey, which is should be really exciting and sounds like it is, but it's also it's littered with with things like this. And I think the first thing to say is is to reiterate Pete and say you're clearly very creative. Think of all of this stuff that you've already done, all of this knowledge as like the foundation, and now you can kind of launch from there. The problem being which which direction do you launch in? I think the the second thing to say is just because you pick one certain avenue doesn't mean you are you have to forget all of the other avenues, for example. Just, you can just pick one for now and in, in the most simplest way, just pick the one that kind of lights you up and fires you up the most. Like if you're most mm. excited to do one specific thing, do that and just stick at it for a little bit, evolve it, see where it takes you. I think that's a good place to start. And also this is something I do. It might not work for everyone, but don't be afraid to sit down and write about your art or at least take time to sit down and think about what is it that I really want to create and why do I want to create it? 
and how am I going to create it? Get very literal with it, but don't be afraid to be, to go really deep as well at the same time and just take some time to sit and really think mm. about what you want to do here. I love that sentence of, I have this strong craving to start making real art. So I thought that's, a, that's really interesting. You know, what is real art? Well, that's the thing. She needs to sit down and go deep and write down what real art means to her and just start writing and write 20 pages mm. of what real art means. And then when she gets to a point and says, ah, well, that feels like the answer, then ask more questions of that answer and see where it takes you. She might be quite mm. surprised at what she means by real art when she really thinks about it. And it might give mm. her a very, very clear direction in where she needs to go. We're kind of talking a little yeah. bit more of this kind of esoteric, uh, slightly intangible element of being an artist here. But it is very important as well as the. this is almost like the practical advice on how to get to the intangible stuff is take time to sit. If you're someone who likes to write, write. Or if you're someone who likes to talk, get a dictaphone mm. app on your phone and just talk to your phone say this stuff mm. out loud and see where it takes you, you might be very surprised at how quickly you gain clarity on what it is you want to do and from there how you want to do it. I think for, for people out there who are creative people and are able to turn their hand at, at different uh, disciplines, creative disciplines, and then f that, that pressure feeling that you have to do one of them. And that there's, there's no one out there that says you should. No. There are pros and cons of doing one thing and being known for doing one thing. But of course, there are, you know, many famous artists of the past and present, you know, they're interdisciplinary artists. They work in different mediums or they cross these different mediums together mm. to, to quite uh, success. So I would be cautious. Don't think of, you know, being an artist or maker as you just have to be specific to a certain genre no, not or at material. All. It can be a lot more open than that. And secondly, I think this sort of, I would, um, this goes a little bit with, uh, you know, what's the difference of making art and real art? For me, real art is what are you trying to say? Yeah, exactly. What, as an artist, what are you trying to convey mm. about yourself? Or what would you like an audience to get from the work that you create? And it shouldn't be about, oh, but I, I work in wood or yes. metal or painting or whatever. That shouldn't what it be about. It should be about, I want to create the feeling of this. Exactly. I want to impart the message of that. And I think that's what real art is. It's the mm. conviction of you and the artist. And your medium is just the method to deliver exactly. that message. And I think you're right, you know, focusing on that may just help clarify yeah. perhaps which medium is the better exactly. medium to do that. Or maybe it's a couple of mediums that are going to help yeah. deliver that message. I think that will sort of differentiate you of being, you know, a craftsperson of a technique or a certain mm. material and sort of taking those steps of becoming, you know, what we call you know, a proper artist. I call it an artist with a capital A as opposed to an artist <laughs> with a small A. I think it's the same sort of thing we're talking exactly. about. Exactly. I think that is the perfect way to put it, Peter. And that comes back to like work out the why and then use the vehicle that most suits that and maybe not just choose one choose many I think that the very final thing to add which kind of came to my mind as Peter was talking is also not just why of what you want to create but why are you even doing it like are you trying to become a professional working artist or you do you want to express yourself that that's also going to influence your decision if you literally just want yeah. to express yourself then why mm. limit yourself to just wood carving and not do ceramic and painting you know, if there's no financial pressure, maybe explore all of those things, but home in on the why and what you're trying to express, but use all of those mediums to do it and then see where that takes you. You know, there the, the may not be external pressures that dictate this in terms of finances or that sort of thing. So, 
Yeah. Fantastic question. Well, thank you, Janine, and best of luck with producing some fantastic real art. Yeah, good luck. Well, we're now going to take a short break and brush up on some art materials. I would love to talk you through my go-to brushes from Rosemary & Co. First up is the Sienna Mop. It's a synthetic range perfectly emulating squirrel hair. I use the larger sizes and they are characterised by being extremely soft with not much springiness. They hold bucket loads of water and pigment. They glide over the page creating wonderful fluid washes and bold brush strokes. They can't help but loosen you up. However, they also come to a lovely refined point if you need them. Next up are two brushes from the iconic Red Dot collection, which recreates the legendary properties of Natural Sable. It's a little touch more friendly on the wallet too. They have a wonderful springy feel that's just a joy to paint with. The body still holds tons of water and pigment and comes to a lively point. I use a large mop when I need a bit more control than the softer Sienna range. And then I use a medium sized mop when I'm homing in on those slightly smaller areas where I need refinement and finesse but without sacrificing the flow. Finally, a couple of cheeky ones from the 304 series, the Golden Synthetic range. This is a much springier brush, which at a smaller size holds less water, giving more control, perfect for those little details and flicks right at the end. I keep things pretty simple, but these series all come in a wide range of shapes and sizes, plus plenty of other wonderful brushes for watercolour, both synthetic and natural hair, all lovingly made here in the UK by hand. You can find the full collection and many more on their website, rosemaryandco.com, where you can also order a free catalogue of all their brushes, which ships internationally at no extra cost. And now we've had our brush fix. Let's get back to the episode with question number two. Another international question from Daniel in the USA. And he asks, after a long stint as a successful illustrator, I'm diving back into making art with an eye on slowly making some kind of living from it. My question is, how much art history knowledge is enough? Is this question even relevant? I remember the main artists we studied in art school, from Dura to Caravaggio to Jeff Koons and McCarthy, and a few more contemporaries but nothing exhaustive. Can I just focus on the artists currently working in my medium or mediums and general style, or do I need to widen my knowledge of more artists throughout history? I'd rather spend more time on honing my skills and learning to run my art business than becoming an art historian. I think that's a really, really interesting uh, and great question. And I, I want to add something very quickly, Peter, and then I'll chuck it back to you. But it, in some ways, he's already answered his own question, but I feel there's a lot more to it as well. So he's answered his own question by, I'd rather spend more time honing my skills and learning an art business. Cool. Well, do that. But it's not to disregard art history at all. And I know you and I are interested in art history and my love of art history has just become more and more and gained more and more as time's gone on. So he, he also shouldn't not look at it at all. What do you think, Peter? Now, I find this a really difficult question to answer because I, I kind of sit on the fence. Yeah. Because, you know, like you, I love and adore art history. I'm aware of, of some of the, the artists of the past, the great artists, the significant movements, the historical significance, the cultural significance of, of art has played and, and it's tied with history and, you know, I adore it. And that, to be honest, tends to be a lot of the books that I read is mm. always linked in some way with art history. But does knowing that help you become a better 
artist, and I don't know. I think okay, let's let's be honest here. I think in some ways, when I was learning and, and, and studying at, at university, and as I'm studying now and learning to become a better painter, you know, I find it enormously helpful and suppose you know reassuring that a lot of what I'm trying to do in many ways has been done before whether mm-hmm. it be a technique of painting or what I'm trying to say you can always find like-minded folk and kin that have been in the same position or a similar position to you and has done something in a similar way different way and that could be often a springboard it can be mm-hmm. quite inspiring you can glean an idea uh, whether it be a physical quality of a work of art or a way of thinking so in that way I find you know that quite helpful and of course knowing that there's a wide family this cast of artists of the past that you can kind of dip into as a springboard can be very inspiring having said that it can also be quite intimidating mm. you know i have and i think i suffered this very early on where i thought i had an original idea <laughs> or i thought oh that would look lovely and of course i would look in a book or find out an artist and they'd already done it or something very similar and then when i looked at what they could do i thought well, I'm never going to be able yeah. to use that. Look at, and, and suddenly I thought, oh, I felt very kind of low. And what I kind of wish I did was ignore that and have gone with mm. that kind of fire that yeah, I initially yeah, yeah. had in my belly that was quickly snuffed out by seeing something else. And, you know, we've talked about this with uh, previous artists about when you compare oh, yourself yeah. to others. Killer. And that can be quite dangerous. And, you know, comparing yourself to great masters, of course, we may never achieve the colossal <laughs> heights of, of Leonardo da Vinci and Michelangelo and, you know, Rembrandt and all these yeah. superb artists. But, you know, of course, I suppose that's not what it's about. It's about what you wish to say. But if we can come to terms with the fact we're never going to reach them, which we are all going to have to come to terms with at some point, and I've done that, and that's fine. There's a lot to be learned from them, a huge amount to learn from them. And so... At the same time, as I would say to Daniel, if you're feeling with a heavy heart that you have to learn about art history and that's the tone of your voice, then, oh, don't do it. You're going to be bored stiff. Focus on your own work. See where that takes you. Can fo- focus on the contemporaries that you love and, and let them inspire you, but don't compare yourself to them. However, at the same time, understand that there is a huge amount to be learnt from art history. And I'm going to give you a little example here. When I started painting figures in watercolour, I, I naturally felt to go back and look at the greats throughout time. And I started looking at one of my all-time favourites, Soroya. And then I started looking at the obvious people like John Singer Sargent. And that took me on a journey back through time, which was really fascinating. Not only was it fascinating, it gave me a sense of my place as an artage in the lineage of history, if you want to call it that, which was really cool and fun. And very finally, I learned a huge amount. I noticed some recurring themes through all artists that I most admired. And I noticed that, just to give an example, that they did interesting things with the shoulders and tilted them in a certain way, quite often opposing them to the tilt of the hips. And this immediately gives your figure movement and gesture and character compared to other artists that I looked at where they just lacked a little something. And so by going back and studying art history, not comparing my work to theirs, but with a curiosity and an excitement for this work, what I gleaned from that art history was incredibly exciting. So I am by no means an art historian. I know very little about art history, yet I've gone back and studied a lot of paintings because I'm a painter and I want to learn how Mm. they did certain things or techniques or what they did with figures and stuff. So you've got to, as always, get clear about why you want to study art history. And if you're going to, get study it in a way that's exciting and kind of lights you up and fires you and inspires you. And if it's not doing that, then don't bother. 
No, I completely agree with that, Tom. And I, I think that let's sort of get away that misconception that, you know, you need to learn all of our history yeah. before you do art. Yeah, you know? exactly. That's, uh, you know, that's a, that's a huge topic. You know, it's impossible to learn the entire scope of, of, of global art before you're ready to do that. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, learning about artists is, is an ongoing thing. You know, we always talk about, you know, being an artist and running an art business. It's an organic thing. It's constantly moving. It's changing. It goes left, right, up, down. You have successes and failures. You know, with that, I'm always picking up and learning about new artists, new techniques, new different ways of doing things. And that, that enriches my experience as an artist. You know, I don't compare. You shouldn't compare yourself. Try and kind of keep it as separate. Try and keep it as an, an enriching experience that will hopefully lift you up. The other side that I do enjoy about art history particularly is, dare I say it, it's not necessarily about the work, although, of course, that is fascinating. Yes. But I find it quite interesting about what the artist was doing at the time and the social history and the context, mm. but also the career of that artist. Just just yesterday, I was reading about Matisse and how Matisse, you know, started his career and how he started out as a teacher, which I never knew, but he yeah. started out teaching and training people and then how that sort of slowly grew for him being collected and so on. And I often find that quite you know, reassuring yeah. that, you know, here are artists that were in the same position as me back then. They were not famous artists. They were just artists trying to carve out a career, feeding their family and themselves, trying to scratch out a bit of a living. And I find that quite comforting mm. and reassuring that they they were there in the same position. And quite often, I have gleaned some good practices in running a business from some of these artists of the past, from the biographical sense, as opposed to looking at, you know, of course, their fabulous artwork. Yeah. So do bear in mind that artists can offer us a little bit more, not just as visual inspiration, but also business information as well. Totally. I really, really love that point, Peter. I know exactly what you mean, because I've done exactly the same thing and been inspired and comforted and felt connection with artists in the past because I'm like oh my god 200 years ago they were still in essence living the same life that I'm trying to live now and that I absolutely mm. love that I think that's a really beautiful point Let's take our last question now, and it's via Instagram from Lorna in the UK, and she writes, After listening to your podcasts, I am so excited to be running my own solo exhibition at my local community centre this summer. That's fantastic news, Lorna. Well done. And I obviously would like as many people to come and see my work as possible, but I'm debating whether I should just focus on promoting it digitally via my website and social media, etc., or whether I should print out leaflets and other printed marketing materials. Are there any other marketing ideas that I should also be thinking of? Well, first of all, congratulations. It is exciting. I remember the first time I had my first solo show. And of course, you do want people to uh, come and visit it. So, Tom, that debate... Do you just stick it all online or do you print it? Now, the first mm. thing that comes to mind is cost. If you're printing stuff, there is a cost. You're going to need to pay for that. Even if you're printing stuff at home yourself, you're going to need to pay for the paper or the ink. I would obviously try and advise to go for something as professional as possible, which, of course, will incur a little bit of a cost. So I first of all, be aware of what your budget is. Do you have a budget uh, to market it? Of course, if you're doing things digitally, it could be potentially cheaper if, in fact, free if you go down that kind of more social media side. But I think... If you do want as many people as possible, do both. There is absolutely no problem of doing both. In many ways, I think it will be better. It will get your reach further. And I'd say for two reasons. 
Number one, what the digital side of things is going to give you global reach. Anyone around the world can find out what what, what you do. Doesn't mean they're necessarily going to come and visit, but they're going to give it. You will give them the opportunity to engage with your work and what you're doing somehow. The one of the benefits about printing literature, whether it's a leaflet or a flyer or a poster, is it you're, you will instantly engage with your local yeah. community. And the fact that you're doing this at a community centre and this is your first sort of uh, step to becoming a professional artist, I would really look at that because I think your local community are going to be your very first customers and some of them may be very lifelong customers mm. to come. And by putting out leaflets in your local, you know, bookshop or cafe or paper or putting out uh, posters, letting the local residents know about it is the way you're going to do that. Because many of them will not uh, engage with your hard work marketing online. Mm. So having that hard printed stuff out to engage those locals, I think would be a really sensible place to start and and don't overlook that. Totally agree, Peter. Yeah, I think absolutely both without question and I'd, I'd even go as far as to say depending on what area you live in and what opportunities you have maybe even prioritize the physical not but don't neglect the the digital as well would be my personal mm. but at least 50 50 yeah uh, like you said the digital is such a great platform uh, and and it's a great way as an exhibition is on to remind people that it's on like oh here's a little instagram story or a, a facebook post it it keeps all of the momentum going but absolutely do not neglect the physical world in your art business, particularly if you're having a physical exhibition. It makes so much sense. Um, and, yeah. and you budget absolutely. You can very easily design your own leaflets and get a good amount printed professionally very, very cheaply. So if you're having an exhibition, it is worth investing even just a small amount of money, but it doesn't have to cost a lot on the leaflets, but it is a consideration. And then I want to add to that something that, I always, always do. If I have a physical event, an exhibition, I always, always write a press release and I always send it to all of the local newspapers. This is different from paying for an advert. This is a press release. And I've not yet not had a press release released in a newspaper. And I know for a fact that these exhibitions that I have, I always get a handful of people literally come in with the thing cut out of the newspaper. And wow. they, they come in and say, oh, I read about this in the press release and I've come to see it. So a press release is a free but potentially incredibly powerful tool because there are still plenty of people that get a newspaper. They like their local newspaper uh, and they like that approach to things. It almost feels a little bit more personable in some ways. Now, if you don't know how to write a sort of a, a press release, there are some great templates that you can mm. find online. It is very, very simple. There is like a format that you need to follow, but they are mm. dead simple. But you fill in that format and you find out all those local editorial places near you. Do be aware if you do that, you do need to be prepared. It's something that you can't do the week or so no, before the exhibition. Point. Sometimes you might need at least three months. Some even uh, publications might even need six months if it's sort of more glossy magazines. So be aware of that lead time in, in terms of preparation. But as Tom said, it's a free thing to write. Make sure you have good images of yes. yourself because they may wish to use those images. I'm like you, Tom. The press releases I do, I kind of keep a document listed of all the places that I'm able to send uh, my press release. So I have a little document of all the different newspapers and local magazines and so on. And then I'll just send it to all of them every time I do something. And it becomes sort of a little bit of a habit. And of course, like you, they always pick it up. There's always something uh, that they will uh, engage with that becomes... an interesting story and if it's not a story you are part of that community that's putting something on for the public to engage with and enjoy and that's the way to think about it is the really great attitude is not so much oh i must get as many people through the door but i've got something really exciting here 
and it's benefiting the community and I want to get as many people to it as possible. And I multiple, multiple times off the back of a press release, I've then had someone from the newspaper say, oh, great, can I come along and take some photos and I'll run a story on you? So you don't know what it's also going to lead to. Mm. And I, I want to also add one more thing. So it, I don't know, Lorna, if you mentioned like where you are in your art career, but even if you're very early on, I would very much consider, because I know this to be very effective, if you have a load of addresses, even if they're just of family and friends, like put a little invitation together and physically post that to people. If you're further on in your career and you have the physical address of loads of previous buyers, put together a little note and a, a physical invitation and post it to them old school. That little touch, I can guarantee, will encourage a lot of people to come to your exhibition. And again, it's that physical world touch in a in a mm. in a time when we are heavily digital really stands out quite a lot yeah no you're absolutely right there's something like having having a leaflet gives you credibility that you exist and that you care and you've put the time into it and it does re- it does reflect a lot better on mm. you and your work i would also then add on to that have some information about you at the exhibition yes. so let's say they're coming and they're seeing your work and it looks fabulous Maybe so they don't want to buy from you today, but what can they take away from you instead? Mm. So have a business card, have an opportunity for them to write down their email yeah. so you can keep in touch with them for your mailing list. Um, have you got any other things, that leaflets or some stock? Have something else if they can't purchase that. If they want to give you their support, how can they give you their support differently and what are you going to give them for them to take away i've had a good example where previously in the past i have had a little leaflet that has advertised the fact that i do commissions because i'm a portrait artist and i've had a customer take that uh, leaflet away and they've stuck it on their fridge and they waited nine years i think it was for them to feel it was ready to contact me and order and book a commission because it was the right time these things do work they do remain in people's consciousness Mm. so do make sure you have that uh, something for them to to remember you by once they have seen your of course fantastic sellout solo <laughs> exhibition <laughs> yeah fantastic last bit of advice peter yeah really excellent so i think the, the bottom line point is don't neglect the physical world at all it still exists and it's a great tool for an artist Many thanks for sending in all your great questions, guys. And if you would like to put one of your artistic problems to uh, me and Peter, then you can do so via the website or our social media channels. Just search Ask an Artist. And thank you, everyone, of course, for listening. Thank you so much for all your reviews and ratings, both on the website, on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, and all those other podcast providers where you can find us, because they really do help keep the podcast visible and free for everyone. And finally, you can catch up with everything we've discussed during this episode and all our previous episodes at our website, askanartistpodcast.com. 